This is Blue Collar Culture, where you don't need ping pong tables, a cereal bar, or nap pods to attract and retain real A players. Join us for the next hour where we speak with down-to-earth leaders that understand what it takes to win with a blue collar culture. Now here are your hosts, Jeremy McLiver and Ryan England. Welcome back to another episode of the Blue Collar Culture Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan England, and I'm here with Jeremy McLiver today. Welcome back, everyone. Today's guest is no stranger to the landscaping industry. In fact, he has been part of the landscaping industry for almost four decades now. He's written seven books that deal specifically with landscape irrigation and tree care. He's got multiple degrees. He's a member of the American Society of Professional Estimators and a certified professional landscape estimator, only one of only two of them in the entire world. Jim Houston, welcome to the episode. Hey guys, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So what is the biggest myth about your industry? You know, it's a really good question. Um, I think uh, probably the, the biggest thing I see is that a lot of people think that because the entry to barrier is so low, I mean, you uh, buy a lawnmower, you're a landscaper, um, you know, got a pickup truck, you're qualified to, to be an expert. And because of that, they think that because it's easy to get into it, it's easy to understand, and they don't necessarily treat it like the real business that it is. And so I think it's a question of ignorance and just uh, unrealistic expectations. Definitely. Uh, you know, and I don't know if that's quite um, just a landscape thing and uh, ignorance of expectations in, in business. Uh, I know I probably, uh, not probably, I have been guilty of that myself in starting my first business. Sure looks a lot easier from the outside than it is when you jump into it, doesn't it? You know, it really does. And, you know, and the thing is, is that uh, a lot of people, you know, they don't know what they don't know. And, and that's the probably the biggest problem they face. And they don't know they don't know these things. And they therefore don't go about trying to learn what they don't know. And as a result, they it stifles their growth their profitability, and uh, just their understanding of uh, the business as, as in, in total. And it also lessens their ability to, uh, I think, enjoy the industry. And, and that's, a big, uh, that's a big issue. Yeah. And, you know, and you use the word enjoy. That's, it's interesting because we all started out in whatever industry we started our business um, because we were passionate about it. And sometimes that business overwhelms us and we become less passionate about it and frustrated. And uh, I was just on a uh, call this morning with uh, a company, a business owner who's passionate about his trade and uh, ready to just hang in the towel, totally frustrated because business can be overwhelming. So I know that you've worked with business owners uh, in the landscape industry for like over almost 40 years now. What are a couple things that you've been able to show them, teach them that have just really created some amazing results? You know, the best thing that I do is uh, what's really impacts the bottom line, but uh, I show them how to come up with a price or what they need to charge, let's say for a crew for the day. So these day rates, I found to probably be the most impactful thing out there as far as what I do. And what it does, it gives these uh, entrepreneurs daily benchmarks 
that they need to shoot for in their business. Uh, I, I hear guys every once in a while. In fact, a number of years ago, I had a guy that I asked him, well, how did last year go? It was like January of 2017. I said, how 2016 go? And he, he says, I don't know. He says, my CPA hasn't told me yet. <laughs> I think, wait a minute, we're talking about last year. If you needed to correct something, you got a problem. You can't go back and just ask your clients to send you more money for invoices you submitted six months ago. And so what I want to do is to show contractors the amount of revenue every crew needs to generate, every technician needs to generate on a daily basis, so they know at the end of the day if they're making money or not. And I think that's probably one of the best things that I do for contractors out there. So really digging into what does it really cost to run a crew? Exactly. Yeah, we, we get, I get pretty uh, detailed in creating budgets, you know, using benchmarks and helping uh, companies establish benchmarks so that they know, like I said, on a daily basis, if they're sitting in an irrigation technician out there, is that individual, you know, paying for himself or herself and uh, or are they, um, you know, upside down. So we want to have those very simple, measurable goals uh, that we can look at on a daily basis. So, you know, and I've talked to a lot of owners and I'm sure you, you've ran across this. They say, well, I'm paying the guy 17 bucks an hour and I'm charging 65. Like, why, why do I need to do any math? Isn't it pretty obvious? 65 minus 17, I'm good? Well, <laughs> you would think so. <laughs> you know, what's interesting, uh, I've had a lot of uh, individuals who uh, have great rates, hourly rates. <clears throat> in fact, one, uh, one individual in your area, you know, his hourly landscape maintenance rate, $45 an hour, was right on. However, if he was working uh, an eight-hour day, <clears throat> if you take the, uh, the $45 times eight hours, he needs to generate $360 a day per person and the crew. Well, he was only generating about 250 a day, but he had a great hourly rate. He just wasn't making sure that every day was billable and that every crew was meeting its daily billable revenue goal. And so even though he had a great rate, he wasn't paying attention to that daily revenue goal. And as a result, he was losing a lot of money. Love it. Definitely have seen it. And I knew that that was uh, almost a softball for you there because seen it too many times you're they're not filling the day they're not maximizing the schedule yes the rates there but we're not actually doing that maybe we're, we're not using the right amount of hours to to bid that thing all kinds of stuff so it's it's, it's amazing how often that uh, i go into a contractor in fact i just worked with a big contractor in texas doing about six million dollars in sales annually and uh, some things he had in this company were priced right. It was going great. He was doing pest control. He was doing lawn care. He was landscape maintenance, production installation. Some things were priced right, but there were some things that were seriously underpriced. And so it, it amazes me how often somebody has an area in their business where their margins are great, they're making plenty of money. But then they got another area where it's they're upside down and all the money they made in one particular service is being eaten up by another. It's surprising how, how prevalent that is. Absolutely. And so so understanding the different areas that we're making 
for making that. Uh, you know, I had a, uh, I, I have a client that I work with that's in the uh, landscape maintenance arena. And, you know, you picked on irrigation. That's always a troubling um, section for a lot of the, a lot of them seems to be the irrigation. And, you know, they were actually able to increase their profitability at, in a one quarter, they were able to increase it by 85%. And they weren't even measuring profitability. Like it wasn't a number like that. What they ended up measuring was windshield time because they realized that their scheduling was messed up. They had lots of just little kinks in the way they were organizing it, getting people out to the right jobs at the right time. And quite honestly, they learned also through the process of measuring that number, they learned that they that the employees weren't always turning the paperwork in. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard, it's hard to bill when you don't turn the paperwork in, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, we know a lot of times what we like to do is um, we want to give uh, those technicians at the end of the year, maybe a 5% uh, bonus on the retail cost of all the materials they sell. And so, uh, hey, listen, if you don't turn in the paperwork, you're not going to get your 5% mm. on this. And so we want to have some checks and balances to reinforce these things. But it's, it's amazing how many people get wrapped up in the minutia, how many entrepreneurs, and they don't ask the basic question, did that technician or did that particular crew generate their the revenue they need to generate per day? And it's such an obvious question, and it's, it makes a huge impact when people understand that and they implement it. That's great. Now, this is always a fun question to ask. So um, what is the best mistake that you've ever made? I'm not quitting. <clears throat> and what I mean is, is that, um, you know, there's a lot of times when you think you ought to, you should have quit, you should have uh, given up and maybe gone someplace else or tried something uh, different. But I think for myself, it's just, uh, you know, I, I got a pretty uh, junkyard dog mentality and I go after something and I don't give up on it. And I think uh, that's probably the biggest mistake I've ever made is that, you know, I, I didn't realize I couldn't do something and I go ahead and end up doing it. I love that. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, Gino Wickman has his new book out, Entrepreneurial Leap, and uh, he has the six traits of an entrepreneur. And the way you said that made me think of it because they're they're driven risk takers. He and he just talks about it like there's something in every entrepreneur out there that they just don't have that backup button. There's not the turn it off button. Like something was broken in the system right there, and they just they plow through. And quite honestly, if you don't have it, we might not we might need to talk about a job, not an entrepreneur, not being a being a leader of an organization. So it's great uh, hearing I that. I think you're absolutely right, and and you know that perseverance <clears throat> is critical. And this never say die mentality is so critical for an entrepreneur to, uh, you know, just think that way. And it's so easy to get frustrated, to give up. The thing is, I think it's critical for entrepreneurs to realize the difference between perseverance and stubbornness. And I say that uh, basically perseverance is stubbornness, but creative stubbornness. If you're stubborn, you know, you persevere, but you're not creative. And you have to you have to have both. And this is where that uh, so many contractors just do not think outside the box, and they just 
keep doing the same old thing over and over again and uh, without being creative and, you know, you know, breaking the mold, so to speak. Yeah, I like that. There's a, there's a quote out there. The pessimist complains about the when. The optimist expects it to change. The leader adjusts the sales. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. There's still the when. You're still going to push into it, but you're just going to have to be flexible a little bit. You can't just be total ignorant about it. So, you know, well, you cool. know thing we're talking about is we're talking about how you think and why mm-hmm. thinking correctly is so critical and and we need to focus on, like I said, just uh, how we think, our ability to think, and what we think about. Absolutely. And, you know, I encourage my teams, I don't know about you, but I actually encourage them to uh, to stop every week. And I was just recently on a podcast where they asked, what's the one thing that every leader should do? And I said, they should take a, an hour a week to just stop like there's so much chaos going on there's so much pressure there's so many things coming stop for one hour a week get away from it all and just think about where you're going because it's going to help you reset uh, it's going to help you think about all of this and where we're going so uh, you know that's why i think uh, taking vacations are is extremely important or even even daydreaming <clears throat> you may be sitting at your desk and just kicking back for five minutes and letting your mind wander and sort of detaching from everything because we, we get so wrapped up in the minutia, we miss the big picture. You're exactly right. And it, for us drivers, uh, entrepreneurs, people that built this, we, it feels useless. It feels like almost a waste of time. Right. You know, I, I tell people, you know, it's no secret. My clients know that I go to Jamba Juice on Friday afternoons with a blank piece of paper. Like it happens. And you just sit down and it's amazing. I will guarantee you that I've made hundreds of thousands of dollars in that blank piece of paper. Because you sit yep. down and you're like, what's frustrating me? What's going on? What's not working? What do I need to do? What do I need to grow, change? And you, it clears your head and you come up with some, some stuff that's going to really help you move forward. So uh, one more question. And I want to want to turn this over to you to teach us a, a couple of gold gold nuggets. So this, this question here is, what's one thing that holds a business back? Like, What's that big thing that if they could just get through that break free that you'd like to leave with our listeners? You know, it's bad thinking. <clears throat> and <clears throat> we should have mentioned it earlier. And it's really uh, an entrepreneur needs to think about how he or she thinks and approaches life and just re- reality. And so it's, it's a question of... Uh, how you think, how you approach problems, how you approach people, and so forth. It may seem overly simplistic, but everything else trickles down from that as far as how you think uh, on there. And there's a number of things that are involved in that, but that's uh, basically the the key to this thing is, is thinking correctly on that. That's great. So let's let's turn this over. Let's give you some time here to just teach us maybe how to, if you want to go into the thinking, if you got something else prepared for us, that's great. But give us some words of wisdom and, and just, I'm going to turn this over to you and let you teach us for a little bit here. Yeah, the uh, when I say that, it, it just seems overly simplistic that, you know, it's about how you think. But what I'm talking about, for instance, um, one thing you have to do is you've got to be willing to uh, look out for coaching for coaches. For instance, I'll meet, you know, young guys. The problem that they have is is that they're stubborn 
And uh, being having been a young man once myself, you know, when you're uh, in your early your teens or your early twenties, you think you know everything. And so, one thing is to realize is that you need to be in the business of getting good ideas and pursuing good ideas and find discovering good ideas. And and this is what being in business is really all about. And this is the fun, creative aspect of it. So one of the things, uh, well, I was going to say also, I've met young men especially uh, that I I can relate to, but their attitude is, is that you can't teach me nothing. And I would agree with them. I can't. And so this is where the, if you're humble and if you're asking good questions and you're seeking information and knowledge, you know, you can really go far. But uh, so this is where that I think one thing is that it's, a, it's critical for entrepreneurs to be thinking about how can I get a good coach? You know, where can I find somebody that's had this experience before that can help me, you know, sort of navigate through all of this. You know, the, the saying is, is that experience is the best teacher, but they forget to tell you, uh, preferably somebody else's experience. And so there's so many good resources out there, and that is critical for us to be pursuing those. Give you a couple of numbers to think about. Um, I don't know exactly how many landscapers there are in the uh, country, uh, but uh, I've heard 150,000, 500,000, I'm not sure, but it's interesting that about ten about 12% make it to a million dollars in sales. Okay? About 2% make it to $5 million in sales. About 75% are doing 500,000 or less in sales, and so many of these contractors get stuck at a certain level, whether it's $300,000 of revenue a year, Two million, three million, five million. I I talked to uh, one uh, irrigation contractor in New York, and uh, his company was stuck at fifteen million. No, <laughs> that sounds like a good place to be stuck at, uh, but they were stuck. And so now, uh, wherever you are, you need to be constantly looking at you know uh, thinking outside the box, thinking for new ideas and trying to get out of the self-imposed straitjacket that we, uh, we create for ourselves. And this is where, again, it, a lot of it is where a lot of contractors don't understand the uh, entrepreneurship. And what I mean is that uh, entrepreneurs are constantly thinking about two primary things. And one is opportunities to pursue the other things are threats. So threats and opportunities are really the two things that entrepreneurs are constantly looking at. And so they're measuring risk as they look at these things. And so it's critical that as a, an entrepreneur, whether you're doing 300,000 or 300 million, that you're sitting at the top of an organization. And, but those are the two key things you need to think about. You know, what can I pursue with my team and then the other thing is, is that what's going to jeopardize what I have in place on here as well. And so again, that gets back to uh, to thinking. <clears throat> and and I constantly reinforce the the thing of so many people and all of us. It's a constant battle for us all. 
is that we don't know what we don't know. And if you think about the recent COVID-19 pandemic that we've been experiencing, uh, what's interesting about three, four months ago, going into 2020, I thought, you know, 2020 is going to be another fantastic year. I mean, what's out there that could possibly derail this thing? And I said, you know, hey, we've, we've gone through uh, the dot-com bubble burst of 2000. We got through 2001, you know, 9-11. You know, we got through, uh, you know, the mortgage crisis of 2008-2009. I mean, what else could be out there that we haven't already experienced? And by gosh, here comes this COVID-19 pandemic that almost upset the entire apple cart. And look yeah, where we wow. are. We <laughs> it's, been, it's, it's been a humdinger, hasn't it? <laughs> it? It has been. But, you know, the, the good thing about it is that I think is that it just, you know, and it, it, it needs to teach us that there's always something out there that we don't know about that could totally upset the apple cart and sink the whole boat. And so, I know. so uh, we have to have this constant inquisitiveness about, you know, what don't we know and what are the possibilities? And we've got to be a vacuum cleaner of ideas, you know, uh, new concepts, that type of stuff. And that's what successful entrepreneurs do. It's a constant creative process that really people, um, you know, we get so set in our ways that we, we miss something really, really big. You know, the mortgage crisis back in 2008, 2009 was very similar. There were a couple people that were on to the problem. Most people were oblivious to it. And look so what it did. I want to jump into something right here because I think, you know, and I know you outside of this. I know some of your expertise, your history. Um, you know, you were actually recommended by one of my clients. We have some, you know, some stuff where I know this, you know, I know how good you are at some of this stuff. So I know you've done some great financial stuff and we're talking a lot about mindset, mind shift. So what are some things that maybe help us dig into? We're looking at these. We never know that a COVID's going to come or a meltdown or or what have you. Uh, we don't know. The next thing is, what are some money mind shifts that we need to have as business owners, or some money best practices? You know, this is where that uh, now we need to quantify things. We need to measure and quantify our business and the things that are going on in the business. So what we'll, I'll do with a new client is we will establish a budget, let's say, for 2020. And from that budget, we're going to get uh, goals. I, I tell clients all the time, there are three things you got to do in your business primarily to make money. Number one is you got to price it right. you got to price your services and products correctly. Number two, you got to produce it right. <clears throat> You've got to produce it the way you price it or price it the way you produce it. And number three, you've got to produce enough of it. Does that make sense? And so what I'm getting at, so now we're starting to quantify and measure what's going on in the business. The budget gives us a goal for sales for each division. Okay. Then we come in and we start measuring things. And I'll look at a budget for a new company and I'll benchmark it. I'll go in and I'll say, hey, listen, um, you know, your landscape construction division looks great. You're making tons of money. <clears throat> your landscape maintenance division is just, it's a dog. 
It's, you're losing money there, and we got to address that. And so, so we're going to start measuring things <clears throat> with this budget. And I'm going to get uh, four things from the budget. I'm going to get sales goals for each, each uh, division. I'm going to get billable labor hours for each division. Then I'm going to come up with the overhead, the general administrative overhead that we need to recover for the year. And then also the uh, labor burden, you know, the, the payroll taxes and all that stuff. So we're going to start measuring things with this budget, set these annual goals. Then we go in and we price the individual services on here. And so we want to identify what the costs are to put a, let's say, a two-person maintenance, lawn maintenance crew out in the field. We want to cost out the labor, the labor burden, the equipment cost, <clears throat> overhead, everything. So we have benchmarks that say maybe the rate is 45 bucks an hour. That's fantastic. But if we have, if we're working a 10-hour day, at the end of the day, that individual needs to bill $450. So if you've got two people out there, they better be billing $900 a day. Otherwise, <clears throat> you know, we've got a problem. And so those are those that process of identifying and quantifying these uh, goals for each individual crew, each individual technician, whatever it is out there, allows a contractor to wrap his or her head around what that crew needs to generate per day on here. And so those things are really, really important on there that you. Whether you're doing 300,000 or 300 million uh, in sales, that you are making sure that every day is a winner, and that you know what's going on with every crew, every technician out there, and if you're making money or not. Does, does that make sense? It does, and I love that. So what I want to do here is we've challenged you, we've asked a lot, you brought some great content, some great stuff here. I'm going to ask you to, to turn the tables and challenge our audience, what is something that they should go do after listening to this, this week in their business? You know, I think what they ought to do is, <clears throat> number one, they, they need to ask themselves, who are my coaches? Who are the people that are coaching me that can really help me get to the next level? And uh, so many times entrepreneurs want to be loners, and that's a big mistake on there. So I would say the key thing is to ask yourself is who's coaching me to, you know, to make sure that my pricing is right, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in compliance with HR and all these things, but who are my coaches out there? Uh, and I call this the external team on here. So I would say I would start there. The next thing I would do is say, okay, by gosh, what uh, categories, what services that I'm producing and providing are making me money? And then what services do I need to work on that are making me money? And then the question is, do I even know uh, the answer to those questions? So that's where I would start. I would ask a couple of key questions about coaches and then profitability. Very good. So if they get stuck, where can they go to talk to you about getting unstuck? I could probably recommend them to a great coach, right? Sure. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, you know, this is where that um, I think, uh, you know, check out our website at uh, jrhouston.biz 
on there. I get a lot of good information there. I got a number of books out to cover these topics. But the thing is, I think uh, you want to start master planning yourself, your life, and your business. And, um, you know, there's so many great events out there, the GIE Expo things, these type of things. But you want to start reaching out to uh, somebody who can help you. That's great. So if you did, if you missed that, it's J.R. Houston, and Houston is H-U-S-T-O-N, correct? Yeah, they spelled the city wrong in Texas, and we're trying to get those Texans to change it, but they're pretty stubborn. So it's J-R-H-U-S-T-O-N dot B as in boy, I-Z. All right. So go there if you'd like to dive deeper. One last thing. I understand that you have a special gift for our audience. You want to share that with them? Absolutely. Uh, I did. Um, I do my seminars back at the GIE Expo in Louisville every year. And uh, last year we did one on um, pricing and estimating and so forth. And we had about 10 Microsoft Excel worksheets that I use for budgeting, for uh, pricing and so forth. We, uh, we're going to offer those to your uh, listeners and all they got to do is email me. Email me at jhouston at jrhouston.biz, and we'll send those out to you. And I, I think uh, you'll enjoy that and get a lot out of them. Perfect. Well, hey, Jim, I appreciate it. I've enjoyed it. I love hearing your expertise. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. Thank you. Really enjoy it, and uh, best of luck. The Blue Collar Culture Podcast is sponsored by bluecollarculture.com. We help entrepreneurs create a healthy culture and build a self-managing business. To learn more, go to bluecollarculture.com.